0: everyone to episode 65 thank you so much for joining us once again at the practicology podcast matthew let's talk on this episode about finding friends uh did you ever go through a phase in your life when you felt like you didn't have any friends or at least any good friends
1: sure did we spent uh, a year 11 months uh, living in san antonio texas and we moved down there when i was 15 so that was for my grade 11 year of high school i believe so moving to a new place far away at that point in life, that was very difficult, took me uh, took me quite a while to make a decent friend in school, so certainly had some awkward, difficult times then.
0: And how did you make a friend? Did you finally meet someone that you clicked with or what?
1: Yeah, I did, largely because um, it turned out that we we both played a little bit of tennis and that sort of became the the grounds of us spending a bit more time together. And then he introduced me to some other friends of his.
0: Excellent. Yeah, super. That actually fits with where we're going today. Maybe I'll just mention that uh, I had some periods of life where I struggled. I felt like I didn't have any good friends. And I remember going to a seed sower's, and it was the soccer ball that uh, gave me some friends. I knew how to kick a ball around and that gave me a common interest with uh, some other guys, including one, Uh, boy Jamie McCammon who became one of my closest friends.
1: Yeah well that sounds like a a similar experience Mike that's wonderful to hear so what have you got today for us for some advice on how we can practically make friends?
0: What got me thinking about this recently is uh, Brian Kember was here in Manitoba for a weekend uh, for a youth event called the Prairie Parley and he spoke about friendship in two of his messages one of the things that Brian uh, pointed out was that friendships are not so much made, but discovered. And we're gonna elaborate on that a little bit, but, but friendships, he said, are discovered. Let's, let's think about that. Let's, let, me, let me answer your question first by saying how not to make friends. Don't be too direct or too desperate. You know, there's some problems in life that, that actually worsen if we take a direct approach at fixing them, for instance, uh, I've struggled at times with too much introspection. Well, the worst thing I can do is try to solve my introspection problem by thinking even more about myself or, or people maybe uh, searching for feelings of happiness. Well, if we focus directly on our feelings constantly, we can be sure that happiness, feelings of happiness will be the one thing we never find. And, and I wanna suggest that it's the same with finding friends. If you go to a conference and uh thankfully those events are coming back now with uh, restrictions loosening but if you go to a conference and you march up to people and the first thing you say is can i be your friend chances are i mean unless you're the right kind of personality this is likely gonna backfire another way that we can be too direct in trying to find friends is is to make friendships all about the friendship uh cs lewis he, he thought a lot about friendship. Uh, the gift of friendship was one that C.S. Lewis valued so highly. And so I'm going to be referencing his teaching a fair bit in this episode. But, but C.S. Lewis said lovers are two people gazing at each other. That's the kind of the point of the relationship. It's each other. But friendship is different. Friendship is not two people staring at each other. It's two people side by side looking away at something else. There's a, th- a third thing, a separate interest beyond the interest of the relationship itself that the two of them are both interested in and, and they're united by it. So yeah, just remember, friendships are discovered more than they are made. We don't so much make friendships as, as we find friends. So, So how do we do this? Well, we don't take the direct route, but instead we take an indirect route. So C.S. Lewis said that the way we discover a friend is when we, we find someone and we say, what, you too? You too, you, you like that too? You're interested in that too? And, and that's how we discover a friend. It's when we, we sidle up beside someone and we find out, oh, wow, you and I, we have a shared interest. I actually found someone else in the world who is really interested in this, just like I am. So maybe you can see already where I'm going with this. What is something that you can do indirectly to increase the likelihood that you're going to meet someone someday and say, you too? Well, the something that you can be doing indirectly is you can be developing your interests. J.P. Moreland talks about how many of us are empty selves. We're, we're empty. We, we have nothing that fills up our life. But in Christ, we want to become full selves, not full of ourselves but full selves, people with, with interests and with uh, hobbies and with uh, things that we've fed on and, and built ourselves up with. So, so this is the indirect approach to finding a friend. Instead of making a beeline for the next person you see and begging him, will you please be my friend? I really need a friend. Instead, find something that interests you. Maybe read about it, learn a skill, develop a hobby, practice an instrument or a sport Be curious about life and the world God has made, uh, fill your mind and heart with good things, be a full self and not an empty self. And this is what might happen if you do this. Maybe you'll go to a youth event or a conference or something, and you'll work up the nerve to to say hi to somebody. And at some point you'll you'll ask them, What do you like to do? What are you interested in? And he'll say, I like playing pickleball and your eyes will light up and you'll say, no way, you too? And bam, you've just found a friend. Or or he'll say, I like making things out of metal. I like carving knives. And you'll say, no way, me too. Or she'll say, I love music. And you'll say, I do too. What kind of music do you like? For my girls right now, uh, they've made some friends in the last year by, by finding out that they share a common interest in adventures and odyssey. They've met some other girls and uh, somebody must have mentioned Odyssey, and they're like, no way, you too. In fact, Matthew, I think my oldest girl and your oldest girl have started messaging each other a little bit.
1: That's right, and we're thankful for that. It's It's a wonderful thing that they can meet other Christian friends, and the means to that you've just described very interestingly, very helpful, and you've taught us then about this indirect approach to finding friends, but there is still the need once we've become fuller selves and we have Healthy interests in life. There's still there's still a need for some directness isn't there Mike? I mean at some point to meet another person We've got to we've got to approach them. We have to say hi. We have to introduce ourselves
0: Yeah, that's a good point Uh, I mean it is possible that you'll be fortunate enough to have someone else take the initiative and and walk over to you But that's not always going to happen so it's really good if you can learn to increase your confidence and try taking some initiative on your own. I, I was really shy as a child and, and as a teenager, but there came a point, I think it was about in grade nine, when I made up my mind that I wanted greater freedom with people. I wanted the freedom of being able to go up to someone and say hi and make conversation for a little bit. So what I did, this might sound really weird, but what I did was I actually practiced this skill. Uh, when I was by myself in my room, I'd picture a new person I hadn't met yet, and I'd sort of act it out in my room. I, maybe I'd imagine what I would say and how he or she might respond and then how I would try to carry the conversation. And uh, the truth is, once you work up the nerve to do this once, it, it will go well. I'm sh- pretty sure it will go well. And then it becomes a bit easier the second time. And then you do it enough times, and you will become more confident in your abilities to meet new people.
1: Did you practice in front of the mirror a few times before you talked to Helen?
0: <laughs> oh boy, I can't I can't remember. I probably did, but I can't believe I'm admitting to it, Matthew.
1: All right. Well, what you've suggested is is good practical advice though. And then I, I think probably as we develop that confidence and skill, we're then able to become a person who actually does the initiating on behalf of others who haven't yet developed it i i think of a brother here i would occasionally see in a coffee shop from time to time in the past and he uh if he was there and he'd see me then he would just instantly start introducing me to pretty well everyone else in the coffee shop he would just meet people he called it reverse social networking he said he was pioneering it in halifax and he would just constantly be introducing people to someone else oh matthew oh matthew here come meet here john john's a painter or a carpenter or whatever and It would be a bit awkward for John and I or whoever that we we first met, but he made it his mission to get people talking together. Now, maybe you're not going to pioneer reverse social networking at every youth event, but you could gain some courage, and I think this is a very needed and valuable ministry to welcome new people to a group and to help them find some friends.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I I love that uh, reverse social networking and um, and by the way, kids and teens and young adults who do this for others, are they are heroes in my eyes. Uh, Matthew, you and I were just at a conference together last weekend and I, I saw some young women in Christ befriend other girls who were maybe in the 12 to 14 age range. And I was so encouraged to see that. These older uh, young women could have said, you know, th- those girls are too young for me to care about them. I've got my own interests to look out for. and. And if I spend too much time with those younger uh, people, it might hurt my chances of meeting people my age, but that wasn't their attitude. And, and what are the long-term effects of that kind of love and acceptance? Well, let me put it this way. As we start gathering again for youth events and conferences, there are gonna be kids coming who've been isolated for a couple years, maybe during some very formative years, and it's gonna be the scariest thing on earth for them to come and if they do work up the nerve to come but no one comes over and says hi and makes them feel welcome and in other words the whole they're 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 attending that event just becomes a personal failure for them they will never want to go to a conference again and i know this from personal experience uh not me personally but but there's young people and they never want to go to a conference again which means they're going to miss out on huge opportunities to make christian friends down the road and and you, we can all see where this trajectory heads to. They, they start just making friends that are not Christians, and that's all they have, and they go farther and farther down that road.
1: See, that's why this is so important. You know, we say the church isn't a social club, and that's true, but we can't miss the importance of good friendships. Uh, most people need friends, and if they're not finding those friends with with other Christians and they are likely to find them somewhere else. And perhaps with some uh, people that aren't going to be as healthy of an influence upon them. So I appreciate this, Mike. I think it's so crucial. Um, we haven't really spoken much about the scriptures so far to support this. Do you have any theology to substantiate the practice and the practicology?
0: <laughs> I sure do. Um, if let me put it this way, if finding friends happens when we discover that we have similar interests with someone else, then Christians are uniquely resourced to find friends. Oh, what do I what do I mean by that? Well, every true believer shares a common interest with every other Christian, right? It's it's Jesus Christ. And this interest isn't just a side interest on par with, you know, collecting hockey cards or reading comic books. The Lord Jesus is our core interest. He is In the words of Colossians 3, he is our very life. So one writer puts it like this, the church is a society of friends gathered around a common taste for the gospel of Christ. Matthew, this is tying in, I think, with your series on the church a little wee bit. Uh, The church is a society of friends gathered around a common taste for the gospel of Christ. And because Christ's church is composed of millions of members spread all throughout the world, being a Christian makes finding friends a fairly likely, potentially successful endeavor. And think about this, not only is every Christian able to say to another Christian, no way, you too, about our shared interest in Christ, but Christ himself is Lord over the whole universe, as we see in, for instance, Colossians 1. Every single lesser interest, every subtopic, every hobby, every field of human interest is directly related to Jesus Christ. In other words, I believe that having Christ as the core of my life makes me more curious about other interests, not less. I know that Paul says in Philippians 1, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. And I've heard some people say things like this. Uh, They say, you know, if I'm in a conversation and after two minutes we're not talking about the Lord and the Bible, I'm bored. In other words, they're saying I'm only interested in conversations that, that are about the Bible and about Jesus Christ. And that sounds really spiritual, but I don't know. I don't get that sentiment from the Lord Jesus himself. Yes, the Lord was very quick to talk about scriptures and spiritual truth, but he was also very interested in individual people and in creation, in events and subjects from common life. He loved to talk about birds and flowers and tell stories from farm life, from everyday life. And as I learn more and more about his glories and about his lordship over all of my life and over every corner of the universe, I find myself getting more interested, not less, when people tell me they're a marine biologist or they're learning a new language or they enjoy hiking. Having Christ at the center of your life can make you insatiably curious about hundreds of things that are directly related to him. And and this in turn increases your capacity to discover friendship. Matthew, do you, do you agree with that?
1: I do agree with that. I mean, I, I think that's, That's just reality, and I I think as parents, we need to model that to our children, and then I think we want to make sure that we help get them to environments where they can meet Christian marine biologists or Christian artists and other such things. I think it's very healthy.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely, and I might touch on that a wee bit later here too, but let me give you my second bit of theology. You wanted some theology, so my first part was that Christ's lordship over everything in the universe doesn't dampen our interest and curiosity about things, but it actually awakens them. Well, my second little piece of theology is this. I'm, I'm getting it from Keller, and it's this. It's to think about what Christ did to, to make friendship with us. Hebrews 2 says that since we shared in flesh and blood, he himself likewise partook of the same things. In other words, he too shared in our flesh and blood. He became fully human, which means what? that there is something we share with the Son of God, and that's being human. The Lord Jesus can come to us and introduce himself to us and say, you too? And, and we can respond to him, we can worship him with wonder and say, you too, Lord, you too? We, we both share in flesh and blood? We, we
1: both are fully human, you too? And he partook in flesh and blood so that he could lay down his life for us. As he said to his earthly friends, the disciples, in John's gospel greater love has no man than this that a man lay down his life for his friends
0: yeah so good uh and and we just see there that Christ took this business of friendship very seriously and so should we I remember reading a biography of C.S. Lewis last summer and at the same time I was working through a biography of D.L. Moody
1: what a guy one biography at a time isn't enough for you impressive
0: <laughs> uh, yes I figured you'd uh weigh in on that but but what hit me was that in both cases, these famous men achieved their greatest impact for good in this world through friendships. And and it's the same as I look around today. I suspect that the seed Soars outreaches were, were first started very much in the context of friendship. It's when friends with similar interests in the Lord start laughing together and scheming and dreaming and praying together that ministries and outreaches are born. Matthew, even this little podcast that we do I think it arose out of our friendship. And church friendships are uniquely powerful, according to a writer named Robert Putnam. He, he wrote the book Bowling Alone. And in his analysis, he I mean, this isn't a biblical source of uh, data, but he, he, he just observes that it seemed to him that church friends mattered even more than, than normal friendships. He says church friends seem to be supercharged. The power of church friends, he wrote, uh, is more than the sum of being religious and having friends. They are very, very impactful on the world.
1: Yeah, I've seen a a few instances where we've had a a visitor friend at a gospel meeting, and I I was hoping that maybe more people would have been able to interact with this uh, visitor while they were present. And yet, as the visitor uh, reflected on that time, they said to me later, you know one of the things that really impressed them was just how kind everybody was and uh, how much they seemed to be happy and just enjoying talking to one another so it, it it wasn't just it wasn't just the issue of people talking to him but he witnessed other people enjoying being together he witnessed friends together and it was something he knew that he was sort of missing out on that closeness that he witnessed just after the meeting at the church and that that really spoke to me as well. Our Lord takes friendships very seriously. I think it's also C.S. Lewis who spoke of the Lord as the secret master of ceremonies at work in drawing people together in friendship.
0: Yeah, so any of us who do have good friends, uh, we can just take a moment right now to thank that secret master of ceremonies. He's Amen. the one. He's the one who brought us together, and oh, he's so loving to do that. But But maybe you're listening and you don't really have any good friends. Well, let this truth encourage you. The sovereign Lord is the secret master of ceremonies at work. Are are you nervous about a big upcoming gathering coming up in your life? Your parents are wanting to take you to a conference and you're anxious and scared and seriously thinking about pretending to be sick or something so you don't have to go? Well, Well, take heart from this. The Lord is at work in your life and maybe his design for you going to that thing is to bring you and one or two or more others into friendship. Matthew, again, uh, uh, a writer picked up on that Master of Ceremonies note of C.S. Lewis's, and and he says, we need to be midwives of friendships. So the Lord is at work in bringing t- together friendships, but, but maybe you and I can be part of his plan to bring other friends together. It's funny because... Uh, when I was in high school, I did one of those job survey things that tell you what kind of job you, you should do when you grow up. And one of, <laughs> one of my recommendations when I did it was that I should become a midwife. <laughs> well, <laughs> I, I, uh, I, I knew instantly that that was not the right career for me, but I, I do hope I can be a midwife of friendships. So what does that look like? Well, I, I meet someone and kind of like your friend in the coffee shop there, Matthew, but, but you meet someone and, and he tells you, oh, I really like X, you know, I really like this thing. And you say, oh, well, hey, there's someone over there that likes that too. And, and let's, you know, maybe I can meet you two together uh, and, and the two of you can, can click and, and hit it off. So, so let's try to be the one that the master of ceremony uses to bring two other individuals together into good spiritual friendship.
1: Oh, Amen. I look back on times when I was quite young and my parents would take me to a conference and I was quite uncomfortable, didn't really know other people there and found it very difficult. But so it it, it may not be a hit, a success just at the very outset, the first couple of times you try this. But what I was going to say was uh, later, it's at some of these conferences where I met some very good friends where they reached out to me and befriended me. And I am so, so thankful for how the Lord brought these other brothers into my life, they have been a preservative in my life, and I'm very thankful for Christian friends. Okay. And we're very thankful for all of you listening today, and we pray the Lord's blessing upon you, and hope you'll join us again for the next ecology podcast.
0: Yeah, God bless everyone.